In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. When I was a, a kid, I used to, to walk to my local video store to rent VHS movies. I would, I would comb the aisles trying to find some new science fiction or fantasy or horror movie. Or I would, I would look for an already seen favorite that was due for a rewatch. Later, that store closed. They could not keep up with Blockbuster. And so I would do the same thing with Blockbuster. First with VHS, VHS tapes, and then with DVDs. When my eldest son was born, I actually owned a TV with a VCR built right into the TV. But by the time I was three or four, we had to hook a DVD player up to it. And then came Netflix. It's hard to remember, but when I first signed up for Netflix, they sent you DVDs in the mail. With my subscription, they would send you three movies at a time for a flat monthly fee. You built a queue online, and then you would, they would mail you the top movie on your list when you sent them a movie back. I also got DVDs from a, a kiosk slash vending machine thing called Redbox. Blockbuster was once king, but out of nowhere it seemed irrelevant. I can remember a couple years back discovering my Blockbuster card in a box and throwing it away. There were no Blockbusters left. Now, of course, Netflix changed too, didn't it? They started streaming things, and then the mail DVD thing, that seemed also irrelevant. And for a while, I had a Netflix subscription where I had both the streaming and the mail DVDs, but then... You know, I'd never mail the movies back, and so I changed my subscription to streaming only. And now, of course, every media company streams. So, you're asking, why am I sharing all this, right? <laughs> well, I'm not sharing it because I'm feeling old. But, as a side note, I did see a, a meme somewhere that I do want to share. Uh, the meme is a picture of an elderly woman and a younger woman walking along together. And the older woman says to the younger, Back in my day, Netflix used to, to send us movies in the mail. To which the younger woman responds by saying, Sure they did, Grandma. <laughs> but like I said, I'm not sharing this all for a back-in-the-day thing, but to, but to bring up the concept of disruption. Disruption is, in, is a big deal in business, isn't it? Settled ways of doing things that, that seem essential become obsolete, seemingly overnight. I have a computer in my pocket, which is also my phone. It's amazing. I don't have a landline anymore. My music is streamed. I don't buy vinyl or cassette tapes or CDs. Think of how Airbnb or Uber or DoorDash have changed things. Think of Amazon or Walmart. Now, none of these businesses and the technologies that they represent 
are unqualified goods. But they came into our lives, came into the business world, and disrupted things, changed our lives for good and ill. And this concept of disruption came to mind in light of this morning's gospel lesson. In our lesson, Jesus returns from a time in the wilderness after being baptized by John. And when Jesus learns that John has been arrested, Jesus picks up John's message. Jesus shares the same good news that that John once shared. Jesus proclaims, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or, as it is translated elsewhere, change your heart and your lives, here comes the kingdom of heaven. Or elsewhere, change your life, God's kingdom is here. This message that Jesus shares is exactly as the same message as John's in content. But Jesus is not just parroting John. For Jesus is also the fulfillment of this message. Wherever Jesus goes, the kingdom of heaven goes. Whatever Jesus does, that act is an expression, an inbreaking of God's kingdom. To see Jesus in his person, in actions, is to see God's reign. Jesus is God's kingdom coming near, and this means that life must change as a result. Repent. Change your heart. Change your life. God's reign is coming near. This kingdom is a new creation, and as such, it is disruption. And we we see the significance of this disruption with what Jesus does next. The first thing that Jesus does after emerging from obscurity and, and sharing his message is to call disciples. Jesus begins his ministry by calling a community together around, around him. He calls that community to be the, a, a manifestation of God's kingdom, to reveal God's kingdom, to show us God's kingdom. He gathers that community around the message of God's good news. Jesus does this so that others may share in the message and manifest the message as well. And there's something so, so jarring, so disruptive about the way that Jesus calls these first four disciples, Simon and Andrew, James and John. The Gospel's author, Matthew, is very, very skimpy on the details, isn't he? As Jesus walks along the beach of the Sea of Galilee, we are told that Jesus sees Simon, who will later be called Peter, and Andrew. Jesus says to them, follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. We have no idea what's motivating the disciples. We have no idea if there is some prior experience that Simon and Andrew have had with Jesus. The text tells us nothing 
We just get this. Follow me. And they do it. Their whole lives are changed and unsettled in response to Jesus' command. And so, too, we have this with James and John. Follow me, Jesus says to them. And immediately they follow. Immediately their lives are transformed. They leave behind jobs. They leave behind their families. They leave behind their lives to follow Jesus. The disruption is palpable. The disruption is real. Their lives are changed, and there is no going back. I wonder, does the, does the gospel come into our lives like this? Do we allow the good news of God to disrupt us? Do we allow Jesus' call to disturb and impede our old life? Do we allow Jesus to interfere with our old ways of making sense of the world and perceiving things? For indeed, just as Jesus came to those first four disciples, Jesus comes to us and says, follow me. Jesus comes to us this very morning, comes to us this day, comes to us every day. Jesus walks into our lives and says, follow me. Jesus is looking to interrupt us, to bump us out of our old lives, our old selves, our old ego trips. Jesus is looking to impede our set way of doing things and invite us into the new life that Jesus offers. Now, this does not mean that Jesus is telling each of us to leave our jobs or our families. Most of us will be called to follow within the lives that we already have. Now, of course, this does not mean that Jesus isn't also asking us to blow up our lives. It's a question of discernment, isn't it? A question of listening. It's a question of openness to how God's will is being expressed in our lives, how we are open to God's call, to the call of Jesus to follow. Because Jesus calls nonetheless. Jesus speaks into our hearts and says, follow. Jesus meets us in friend and stranger, in loved one and enemy, and says, follow. Jesus calls on us to be sources of good news, sources of healing, sources of, sources of inclusion and love. We are to be sources of justice and peace. Jesus says, follow me on this way of love. Learn to leave behind your old life, your old hatreds, your old fears. Jesus says, follow. Learn how to find your life and gain your life by losing it. Jesus comes to us to disrupt. Jesus comes to you, comes to you, and says, follow. Amen.